Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Adam. I'm so glad that you are joining us this morning. I am one of the pastors here at Tunkhannock. And if you've been coming for just the last few weeks, you might be like, hey, wait a minute. Why haven't I seen you before? Well, I've kind of been away for a while due to the birth of my son. Uh, My wife and I have this whiteboard that we keep in our kitchen. And we write down like groceries that we need, uh, things to do around the house. So before we went to the hospital, on the to-do list, my wife put down, birth a human. And let me tell you, it was so satisfying to come home and put a big check mark through that one. And my wife is such a champ. I'm so proud of her, and she is such an awesome mom. And we are very excited to be in this new season of life together. And if I was really creative, I would find a way to show you a family picture and then tie it in as like a sermon illustration. I'm not that creative, but I'll show you a family picture anyways. So here we are. Yeah. He's just a few weeks old in that picture. I think that might have been towards the end of the photo shoot where he was not having it. And yes, I am the same person in that picture. I just look 10 years younger without a beard. But let's get into the real reason why you're here this morning, or at least why I think most of you are here this morning, and that is to talk about Jesus. So I want to get things started with some participation in answering this question. What are some of the virtues of Jesus? What are some of his characteristics and, and I'm not talking about, like, his characteristics as God, that he's all-knowing or he could walk on water or turn water into wine. I mean things like love. All right. Humility? All right. Patience. You say courageous? I'll put it on there. I don't know if I heard that right, but it fits. O-U-R-G. There we go. All right. Did I spell that wrong? It doesn't even matter. We're just going to keep on moving. All right. I went to school for theology, not spelling. All right. (laughs) I see what I did there. All right, we're just, some of you are like, I cannot listen to a word you're going to say this morning because I'm just going to be looking at that. All right, all right. C-O-U-R-A-G-E. There we go. Yeah. Uh, Any others? Say that again? Peaceful. Yep, I like it. All right, that's the last one. (laughs) F-A-I-T-H. All right, no more. I need to save myself from embarrassment. All right, there we go. And this list could go on and on and on, the qualities that Jesus has. Now, how many of you wish that your life looked a little bit more like this? Maybe you're like, I wish my life looked a lot more like this. If you're in that boat, me too. I wish that I had more peace in my life, especially at three in the morning when my baby is crying. (laughs) 
I wish that I had more love in my life because to be honest, sometimes I get caught up in my own little bubble focusing on my needs instead of lifting my head to see the needs of other people and having love to meet those needs. And so I really want my life to look more like Jesus. Something that maybe you haven't thought about before is what it actually means to be a Christian. To be a Christian doesn't just mean that you believe that God is real. And being a Christian isn't just acknowledging that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. The word Christian really means a follower of Jesus. And so if you claim to be a Christian, what you're really saying is that you are trying as best as you can to have a life that reflects the life of Jesus and these kinds of qualities. Now maybe you look at this and you're like, oh my goodness, not even close Maybe you feel kind of overwhelmed, maybe a little bit of guilt of like, how can I really become like Jesus? Well, how do you cross the finish line of a marathon? One step at a time. I mean, there's a lot of things you could say, but it has to start with the first step. And I think the same is true for the Christian life. How do we become more like Jesus? I think we can become more like Jesus one step at a time. Now, just to be brutally honest with you, none of us are going to be fully like Jesus until we are in heaven someday. But until that day comes, God has given us this calling to, as best as we can, model after Jesus in our lives. And so this morning, we're going to talk about how we can take steps in our lives towards becoming more like Jesus. So we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Galatians chapter 5, and we'll be starting in verse 16. And we'll also have it up here on the screen for you to follow along. This is a letter that uh, Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. And in verse 16, this is what he says. So I say... Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are continually fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. All right, so the question we started with is how do we take steps towards becoming more like Jesus? Well, right out the gate, Paul answers this question for us. How do we become more like Jesus? He says, uh, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Boom, there's the answer. If we could just nail that, we can pack up and go home this morning, call that a wrap. Easy, right? It's not that easy. Because the reality is, even if you are a Christian, there's this struggle going on. A struggle between following the guidance of the Holy Spirit and following the guidance of our sinful desires. And it kind of plays out like this. Like you can't follow the Spirit and follow your desires at the same time. Because those two things are opposites. And Paul talks a little bit more about this in Romans chapter 8. So I'm going to turn there quickly, and then we'll jump back into Galatians. But Romans chapter 8, 
in verse 5. It says, those who are dominated by the, the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That is why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. All right, so now we have a little bit more clarity between what happens when we follow the Spirit and what happens when we follow our sinful desires. When we follow our sinful desires, that leads us down a path to death. And when we follow the Holy Spirit, it takes us on a path to life and peace. And so we have that illustrated right here. Now, to tell you a little bit of my story, there was a time in my life when I was following my sinful desires and I was headed down this path that leads to death. Now, maybe you're like, hang on, man, you're still alive. Or what's the big deal with death? All of us are going to die at some point. Yeah, that's true. But what the Bible is talking about here is spiritual death. Oftentimes, when the Bible talks about heaven, it refers to heaven as eternal life. Now, the flip side of that is spiritual death, which is an eternity in hell. And there was a time in my life when I was headed down this path of really going to spend the rest of my eternity in hell, except that changed because of the work of Jesus in my life when I became a Christian. And so how do you go from going down this path that leads to death, and how do you get on this path that leads to life? And the answer to that is not just to do enough good works to outweigh the bad things that you've done in your life. The answer to having an eternity in heaven is about trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and experiencing a relationship with God that starts in this life and goes on for all of eternity. And when you become a Christian, you receive the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit is God himself. So the, the Holy Spirit isn't a God, like another God, and the Holy Spirit isn't a part of God. The Holy Spirit is God. And so as a Christian, you don't just have God with you, you have God inside of you. And the Holy Spirit is necessary for living this Christian life, for even wanting to do the things that God wants us to do as Christians, because those desires, they really don't come from us. It really comes from the Holy Spirit inside of us. And now here's the tricky thing. Paul here is talking about being guided by the Spirit. And the truth is, you can be a Christian and not be guided by the Spirit. You can be baptized recently and not be following the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You could be coming to church every week and not following the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Following the guidance of the Holy Spirit isn't like a one-time thing where it's like, all right, I'm on the right track, let's go. It's a moment-by-moment -moment thing. And so this morning we're gonna talk about how we can be guided by the Spirit on a moment-by-moment -moment basis and live the way that God wants us to live so that we can become more like Jesus. But how do you know if you're following the guidance of the Holy Spirit or if you're following the guidance 
of your sinful desires. Well, maybe you've heard this called fruit inspection. Let's, let's take a look at this diagram to kind of talk about that. Between these two trees, which one do you think is healthy? How many of you think A is healthy? Nope. All right, how about B? Yeah, and how do you know it's healthy? Because the fruit looks good, right? Now, the fruit doesn't make the tree healthy or unhealthy. The fruit is just an outward indicator of an internal reality, the health of the tree. And I think the same is true for us as Christians. The way that we live our lives is an external indicator of an internal reality, whether or not we have God living inside of us. And so we're going to talk about that in the next few verses in Galatians here. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. It says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now this is not an exhaustive list Paul is listing off these things, and he's like, all right, this list could go on and on. And here's the scary thing. He says, if this is your lifestyle, and you don't want to turn away from your sin, you want to keep living in it, you know what that means? It probably means you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life, and you aren't a true Christian. Now, that doesn't mean that we can receive salvation through doing good works. Good works isn't what gives us a relationship with God. But the way that we live our lives is an external indicator of an internal reality. This is how we can tell if we are really living for God or not. And so the, the same thing is also true if you are a Christian and if you have the Spirit in your life then that will also be evident through your actions. In verse 22, it says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So this is what's true in your life if you really are a follower of Jesus. Now, I grew up in the church and so for most of my life, I was pretty familiar with these verses. And for most of my life, I thought this was just like a checklist of um, what every Christian really needs to work on. It's kind of like God sliding um, a checklist across the table and is like, all right, see these things? Get to work. I just want to see some more love in your life. I want to see some more joy in your life. And so you better get cracking on it. Now, I'm not saying that the Bible doesn't say to work on these things. Because we do. But these things are the result of having the Spirit in our lives. These things are not the result of us just working in our own strength. This is the fruit of following the guidance of the Spirit. And you know what's, what made me think of that? Is look at this. Like, when we are following the guidance of the Spirit, 
our life starts to look a lot more like Jesus' life. And we can get so overwhelmed by all of the things that we see in the life of Jesus that we are called to imitate. And, and maybe what God wants us to do is to just take that daily step of walking according to the guidance of the Spirit. And so the question, two questions I think all of us should really answer for ourselves is number one, are you guided by your sinful desires do you care more about what God wants for your life and how he wants you to live or what you want for your life and how you want to get it? Like, What if Jesus was right here in person in this room and he looked you in the eyes and he said, follow me, but give up drunkenness. Or follow me, but give up gossip. Follow me, but give up sex outside of marriage. Follow me, but give up your idea for success. Or would you go home sad knowing that you are not going to follow Jesus because you care more about that sin in your life? And maybe I didn't list off something that you're really struggling with. Just fill in the blank. Or would you be willing to give up that sin in your life for the sake of following Jesus? Now, I'm not going to lie to you, following Jesus is costly. And sometimes we think, all right, if the measure of following Jesus, it's just like if somebody puts a gun to your head and says, deny Jesus or die. I think most of us here in this room are, would be willing to die for Jesus. But you know what's a lot harder than making a one-time decision to, to die for Jesus? I think what's a lot harder is to make a daily decision to live for him and to follow in his ways and to say no to our sinful desires. And, and so the, the next question is, are you guided by the Holy Spirit? Are you guided by the Holy Spirit? Now, I wish that God's word had like a checklist for us to know what it means to be guided by the Spirit. Like we've made it this far in the message and you might be like, all right, we're talking about being guided by the Spirit, guided by the Spirit. What does it mean to be guided by the Spirit? Unfortunately, we don't have like a checklist from the, in the Bible. It's like if you just do A, B, and C, then you're good and you're following the guidance of the Spirit. But I think that's on purpose. Because the Christian life isn't just about checking boxes. But I think what God wants for you is friendship. And so following the guidance of the Holy Spirit, I really think, is friendship with God, communication with God, knowing his voice, talking to him through prayer. I mean, how many times do we just kind of blaze our own trail in life where it's like, I'm going in this direction. Come on, God, keep up. Instead of praying to God and looking for his direction and his guidance for your life. Now, how many times do we pray to God, but then not even look around for the answers to our prayers? And so I really believe that even though I don't know what is entailed entirely with following the guidance of the Spirit, I think a huge part of that is friendship with God, communication with him through prayer, and getting to know his heart through reading his word. And so I want to take a look at these next few verses to kind of recap 
what we've talked about up to this point. So in verse 24, it says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Now, I said before, there was a time in my life when I was not a Christian. And before I was a Christian, my life was controlled by sin and sinful desires. And if you were just looking at me on the outside, I probably didn't look any worse off than anybody else. But the truth is, because my sins were not forgiven, even the good things that I could do in life could not please God because I was not forgiven of my sins. And this was my identity. But all of this changed when I became a Christian and when I received God's forgiveness in my life. And if you are a Christian, then this also happened to you. I want to read this verse again, verse 24. It says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. When I became a Christian, my sins were forgiven, and my sin was nailed to the cross that Jesus died on. And this is not my identity anymore. Now I have an identity as a child of God. Now I have freedom in Jesus. But here's here's the sad thing that I think is true for so many of us. Even though we have forgiveness of our sins, even though we have freedom in Jesus, How many times do we find ourselves walking back to the cross and reaching for those sins that were left behind? And sometimes it's that struggle. No, follow God. I've given this new life in Jesus, but wait, I don't want to give this up. And even though our sins are nailed to the cross, Paul says, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Even though you might be a Christian, It doesn't mean that the battle's over. It doesn't mean that the struggle is done. And we need to follow the guidance of the Spirit in our lives on a day-to-day basis. Otherwise, we'll find ourselves going back to that sin that was meant to be left behind. And so, if you've been around Bridgewater for any amount of time, and you've heard us talk about our core values, probably the most common thing that you'll hear us say around here is everybody has a next step. And I really believe that. I really believe that everybody here has a next step, whether you are a Christian or you've been a Christian for most of your life. And, and so this morning, I want to walk through what maybe some of the next steps might be for you. If, if you've never had a moment in your life where you've turned to Jesus to be your leader and forgiver. Maybe you're just coming to church and you're like, wow, when I come to church, I see so many more blessings in my life. But if you don't have a relationship with God, let me tell you, there is no greater blessing than having your sins forgiven and having a relationship with God that starts in this life and goes on for all of eternity. And if you want to make that decision to experience forgiveness of your sins in a relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you to take that step 
by praying to God and, and maybe saying something like, God, I know that for all my life I've been following my sinful desires, but I know that the way that I'm living is wrong and I'm asking for your forgiveness and I believe that Jesus really is the son of God. I really believe that Jesus made a way for me to go to heaven because he died on the cross for my sins and I believe that he rose again and I wanna commit my life to living for you. Now, if you pray a prayer like that, it's not the prayer that saves you, but that's just a way of communicating your commitment to God. And this will change not just your life, but it'll change all of eternity. And if you become a follower of Jesus, on that very moment, there is like a party up in heaven because there is nothing greater than knowing Jesus. Now, I'm going to talk about uh, what you can do with this three-by-five card that half of you are probably sitting on right now. And there's two things that you can do with this. So don't write anything down now, and I'll leave some time at the end of the message for writing some things down. But maybe you've been a Christian, and the truth is, even though you have freedom in Jesus, you still find yourself going back and just not wanting to release your grip on some kind of sin in your life. And if that's the case, and if you want to make a commitment to surrender that sin to Jesus and to live in his ways, then what I want you to do is at the end of this message to write down that sin on this card. It could just be one word. Don't put your name on it or anything like that. And I promise we're not going to go through and read these. Just write down that sin and then fold this card in half. And then at the end of the message, on your way out the door, if you would like to take seriously this commitment to overcome this sin in your life, then there's a little basket of pushpins next to the cross by the doorways. And you can just pin that three by five card to the cross as just a visual reminder that you are leaving that sin behind and you are making a commitment to God to overcome that sin in your life. And, and just writing down on a three by five card what's going on in your life, that is a great first step. That's a step of identifying something that needs to change and it's a step of making a commitment to God. But the journey doesn't stop there. And I really want to encourage you to... Uh, invite accountability into your life or come up with a plan to overcome this sin in your life. Or maybe there's some things in your home that need to just be out of your house when you leave church this morning. Maybe for you to take a next step and to walk with the Spirit isn't necessarily putting off something in your life, but maybe you need to put on something that God is calling you to put on. Maybe God has laid something on your heart for you to do and you're just like, ah, oh, God, I don't want to do that now, not now, that's too scary, or I'm too busy. Now, maybe God has laid it on your heart to get baptized. Like, you've been a Christian, but it's kind of scary for you to be up in front of a crowd and just express to other people that you are following Jesus. Or maybe there's somebody in your life, a neighbor or a coworker, that God has laid it on your heart to talk to them about Jesus Honestly, those kind of conversations can be really tough or really scary. And that's what God is calling you to do. Or maybe there's some kind of tension in your family. There's a family member who's not talking to you right now. And maybe God's laying it on your heart to make that relationship right as best as you can. And I really think that if you take just a moment 
to just be quiet and to ask God, God, what is the next step that you would have for me? I really think that God will lay something on all of our hearts. And so I'm going to give all of us a little bit of time right now to write down on this card. If your step is to write down something that you are going to do, whether it's talk to somebody, get baptized, start serving, I don't know what that is, then instead of tacking your card to the cross, please take this card home with you and put it up on your refrigerator as a reminder of that commitment. And then once you take that step, go ahead and take down this card from your refrigerator. So go ahead Um, And if you don't have a card, if you sat down on a seat that did not have one, go ahead and shoot your hand up in the air, and we have some people who will make sure that you get one. And if you need a pen, please raise your hand. All right, we need some pens over there. I'm going to pray. If you're still writing, you can keep on writing. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your incredible love for us, a love that we can't even measure or understand. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sin, to pay the price that all of us deserve to pay. I thank you for giving us the hope of eternal life. God, that's something that none of us can earn, Uh, There might be some people here this morning who are trying to earn that. Uh, Maybe they're just wondering, am I good enough? Am I doing enough for you? And they're feeling the guilt of that. God, help them to know uh, that their their right standing with you uh, really comes through Jesus. And God, we we can't become more like Jesus in our own strength. (laughs) Some of us might be trying But God, please help us to just walk with your spirit each and every day. I ask that we wouldn't try to clean ourselves up before coming to you, but I ask that you would clean us up from the inside out, that we would become more like Jesus, uh, not just for our own gain, but so that we can be lights in this dark world, so that we can be um, the followers of you that the people around us need, um, to be mothers, fathers, um, leaders, business workers, um, that we would, we would just be like Jesus to those around us. And so, God, I ask that you would give us the strength to do that and the commitment uh, to take seriously the things that we are committing to this morning. And I ask that you would uh, transform our lives. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.